This is the Ops Authority Podcast, where my mission is to break down the backside of your business so you can take the right actions to grow and scale. Hey, I'm Natalie Gingrich, a small business operations expert, and I'm going to give you a front row seat to real solutions that will help you reach the vision that you have for your business, all while equipping you to put out those inevitable pesky fires and those fears that pop up. Listen in for strategies to grow your team, craft the systems and processes that you need for your business, and establish business foundations that you may have skipped over. I know you're ready to do really big things, so let's do it together. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome back to the Ops Authority Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Gingrich. And today I have my friend, our director of coaching here at the Ops Authority, Amy Lochran. And today's episode is a DOO download session. (laughs) If you haven't heard one of these episodes before, a DOO download session is an episode where you're going to get the wisdom of the two of us, two certified directors of operations and We have been there and we have done that. So we feel like we can answer most of the questions that come in. And so today we're going to be dishing you the DO download on questions that are popping up from our community. We hope that you will enjoy our conversation, be a part of it. And if you've got some questions for us that you'd like to hear us answer, get our viewpoint on, send them in to podcast at theopsauthority.com. And we would love to dive into that. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. I'm excited to be here again. Yes. All right. We are going to kick off with a question that has come in from one of our directors of operations towards the end of our program, but they are a retainer. So they're in a retainer model, which Amy, do you want to define what a retainer is? Besides being my favorite model. (laughs) So it is a longer term relationship with a client where you have a set agreed scope of work that you are doing, but you are not a full-time or part-time employee. You still retain your 1099 contractor status. Yes. So that's the status for this person right now. She's working with one or two businesses for a long period of time. And her question is, is it important to have an up-to-date social page or social pages for my business? So she's looking at marketing and she is seeing the landscape for what it is. She doesn't need a ton of clients. She needs one or two businesses that she can serve on a monthly recurring basis. And, you know, she's asking how important is it to have a social presence? What do you think, Amy? So I think one of the key phrases in this question is like, what does up-to-date mean to you? Because people who are uploading two to three TikToks and Reels a day, or even that many a week, it's unlikely you need to do this if you have a contract in your retainer relationship is ongoing and you are scoped out and feel confident that it could not end in the near future. However, if you do not put anything up there, then it's very similar to when you walk by and you see no light on in a storefront and it's like, is that business open? Is it closed? I'm just not sure. And as you slowly move through the internet, you develop relationships, you get referrals, you start working with people, you're creating your own digital footprint right now. So at some point, someone will say your name, bring up your business. It will create interest and intrigue and people will come back to look at you. Whether you are looking for a client or not right now, you may need one in three months. You may shift around, decide you want to do some sort of project, offer consulting, any of these things. And if that's not there, the person will show up and be like, oh, hmm, guess she's no longer doing this. 
and move on quickly. So we do want to stay at least somewhat up to date so that people realize that you are still in business and what type of services you are offering at this time. Yes. A vision of like the yellow pages came up in my head and you guys, y'all, depending on how old you are. I was going to say, is everyone going to know what the yellow pages are now? (laughs) We should define that too. (laughs) Well, back in the day when you were looking to call Pizza Hut, you did not have the internet to search. So you went and got the phone book. And when you opened up the phone book, at least in my town, it was kind of small. So we had the white pages and the yellow pages. Oh, we did too. Yeah. Okay. 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 And then like the thin, thin paper where you're like, don't rip it. Like, Yes. You're going to miss the good page. Don't circle anything because it's yeah. not, it's going to bleed through. Yes. So the yellow pages were like a directory. It was a directory of all of the businesses. So if you were looking for a seamstress and you searched seamstress in the yellow pages and that person wasn't, you know, you didn't have anybody there, then you wouldn't know where to go. And so that's exactly what popped in my head when you were talking, Amy. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to have a footprint. And obviously today, I think the part of this that can be so cumbersome is that we can have a footprint in a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. I would say in response to this question of how it like, is it important for me to have an up-to-date social presence? I would have a social presence depending on where you are in your business, I would want you to appropriate the right amount of time, which is usually a very limited amount of time at the beginning because you're trying to get clients in. You want to get that stable so that you can grow your income. I don't think that you should not have a presence. I just think that you should keep it keep it under control. Don't let it be one of these things. I've seen people go really, really hyper-focused on creating this massive content plan and for multiple different channels. I say at the beginning, pick one channel and at least set up your profile because you you want that. You want that there. Just like Amy said, if they're looking for somebody and someone refers them, they're going to go to Google first, most likely. And secondly, they're probably going to go to Facebook. So I think that Facebook being the social channel that I just mentioned there would be the place that at least you would want to set up a business page, you know, have have that reflect your brand, make sure the about or the description is up to date on that page. And then as time goes on, as you have a little bit more time, start popping in one post or a conversation starter. Now know that when you're setting these up, if you're not super consistent with them, you're not going to have a ton of people coming. So engagement is not the goal at this point. It's just a presence. It's having something there. And I would say that sharing something that you're passionate about, maybe some of the things that you're that align to your values, that would be important. But just don't overcomplicate it. Don't feel like it doesn't have to be an all or nothing, all being that you've got this curated content with professional brand photography and this massive schedule. That's where people go. They automatically go to, I either need that or I just shouldn't be on these channels. And remember, you do want a digital or a social footprint. And I pick one place to go for me that has been Facebook because the majority of users, digital users are there. Now that may change over time, depending on when you're listening to this, but Facebook has been, you know, the biggest, it is the biggest platform. It definitely has the most users. And so having a presence there would be my recommendation, but you have to see what fits, you know, the avatar that you're serving and the kind of business that you're going into there. At a minimum, make sure you've got the page set up and your bio or your some information on you there. I agree. I think picking one spot, that point you made out is so important and we can really use all the other platforms to our advantage. So like Natalie said, 
get your handle at all the platforms if you don't have that, and then simply direct in a post in your pinned post on ones that you're not going to be using, direct them and just tell them where you are, even if you're only updating yeah. that one once a week, because then if somebody comes and finds you on Instagram and you've chosen to be on Facebook, they know that if they wanna find a little bit more about Amy, that's where they need to go. So you've done your due diligence for the people that truly care about you to be able to find it. And until you're ready to stack and you've moved past the point where you have felt like you have really like, owned this one platform and you can have the time to put on, you have the extra income to potentially bring on someone to support you, this is no longer a stressor. This is something that's a bonus to bring in more work and not something that you like have to spread yourself too thin when it's really not about the work, which is the part that is most important in a retainer relationship. Honestly, I'm going to say that having a presence on Facebook or whatever platform of choice you have is important to get set up. And it's actually a quick win. Like to set up your Facebook profile is what, I mean, would maybe take you an hour to populate the information and put that header graphic on there. And it's not going to take you too long. I think the next place I would go over time is more into your website. That way, when you set up that profile on Facebook, you can direct them to your website. And that's probably going to be the best place for someone to go that is considering working with you from a retainer perspective. They want to know what you do, how you do it, like a little bit about you. And I don't think you have to do that in a million social posts, right? So definitely not. Yeah. Hopefully that is freeing for those of you guys who have had this question in the past. I think knowing that you only need a couple of clients at a time, knowing that you don't need to market to thousands of people, right? The most important thing you can do in a retainer model is have conversations with people. You don't have time and nor do you need to have conversations with a thousand people, right? So keep all of that in perspective, especially in in regards to how much time it takes you or you are putting into social. If you don't need a whole lot of people at the end of this process, then I don't think that you need to put a whole lot of time into marketing. At this point in your business journey, if in a retainer model, delivery is really everything. That's how you keep clients. And so I would say that marketing is probably secondary to the delivery part, but getting off track a little bit, Amy. (laughs) (laughs) All righty, next question. I have been having issues with clients not getting me the information that I need. How can I improve this? This is a doozy. (laughs) Oh, it's a doozy. I'm interested to hear what you think, Natalie. Yeah. So I've certainly come into, actually, let me tell you from my experience when this has happened, it's when I came in a little bit shaky or intimidated by the leader. I really came in as like a pseudo strategic partner, as a director of operations. I want you to walk in as a strategic partner, but there are just some relationships and some businesses, some personalities where you think you have that. And then you get inside and you become intimidated. You become uncomfortable. You become weak. You lose Mm -hmm. your boundaries. And all of a sudden you're not a strategic partner. You are inferior. And that has been the time when I have been, I'm intimidated. I'm kind of scared, right? And so when they're not getting me that information on time, it's because they don't respect me. Honestly, I have felt like it was a, like it was because of respect or the lack of respect. Of course, there's other circumstances where, you know, they're just overloaded or maybe you need to look at how much you're asking from them or how, what your communication cycle looks like. But at the end of the day, I would double check that you truly are 
in a role where you are valued, appreciated, and respected. And then the second thing that pops in my mind is making sure that you've got communication to let them know. And then, you know, an escalation process if you need to get to that point. Yeah, I completely agree. I think sometimes, I think there's a nature of different personality types, depending on who you're working with, that just like to know how far they can push, right? And so until you hold that boundary, they'll see like, if I push, is this still going to be okay? And can I still work? Even if they're the person that hired you, which I'm sure for a lot of us, if you are personality like me, you're like, your logic does not make sense. Like, why did you bring me on just to fight me for stuff like this? Like, but (laughs) it happens and a lot of us have experienced it. And so making sure- I was going to say, like, we both had that. Oh oh my God, (laughs) so much. So we know it's a truth, right? It's one that's hard to comprehend, but we know it's a truth. And so one, being able to recognize that relationship so that we step into it and can take control if it happens. And then- Truly, how comfortable are you to manage up and then set the expectation like after it happens for the first time? Like, this is what I need. And if you're not unable to get it from me, here's what's going to happen. And here's the kicker that we probably all have to learn the hard way. What will you do when it comes the wrong way? When something comes late, two days over the weekend, what happens then? Because technically they did something you asked for but not within your boundaries. And so being able to know what that looks like for yourself and show that person that you truly are a strategic partner, like, it's great. I'm super proud you did that. We're still not gonna hit deadline. Like there's a reason we needed it earlier in the week, but I'll be happy to get to it the next time I'm working on stuff with you. That conversation gives you itchy crawlies all over your skin, but man, does somebody not do it again afterwards if they really wanna work with you. Yes, And you have to value yourself. I mean, boundaries and values come up all the time in the work that Amy and I do, because we know that you're going to have a greater satisfaction. You're going to work in in better ease. You're going to be more fulfilled whenever you are exercising your boundaries and values at all times and going into partnership with people who value those too. And so I think going back to them and saying, yes, just acknowledging the fact, let's just start with that acknowledging to them that they are late. Like if you're not doing that, you're not doing your job. You've got to be forward enough to say, this is due tomorrow, where is it at? And okay, tomorrow has come, it's not here. Understand that there are gonna be ramifications. Here is what happens. This is gonna trickle down to this and this and this. And all of a sudden, you know, missing one or two deadlines actually impacts our project or this delivery by a couple of weeks. And you may not be thinking about that when you push this off to the next day. So I'm going to recalibrate with you. I'm like role-playing right now in my head (laughs) to a leader with telling them why they need to get back on track. And, you know, if you can do, I, I would say if you can get ahead of this at times, it's very noble of you to come in and say, hey, this is what I'm seeing. Do you think you're going to have a problem? Should we look at the, I know Alex does this for me all the time where she's like, I think you've overcommitted. Like, let's recalibrate on, on the delivery schedule. And that gets her out of that hard conversation later when I'm running late. And she knew I was going to run late. So she came to me ahead of time. But that's a great example of 
honest and transparent conversation because even when she does that, Amy, I'm like, oh, I can still get it done. I can still, I'm going to catch up. And then like, I'm like, challenge accepted. But you know what? She's right. <laughs> I would get to say 100% of the time. Because then when does that work get shifted to the weekends and to the evenings? And that's my boundary. Like I don't work during those times. And so all of a sudden, Alex is right. And we're going to have to change the due date. So communication, a great example of how communicating ahead of time, noticing patterns, and getting ahead and letting them know, hey, this deadline is coming up. So, and then ultimately, if they don't course correct, you have a decision to make. I know that me feeling valued inside of people's businesses is a, it's very important and it's a trigger if it's missing for me. Mm -hmm. And so if I were this person over time with the right, you know, with me coaching up to the leader and no changes taking place, I'd start to probably get the sense that I need to do something different or be something different and probably exit that company. So not saying that they all need to get to that point immediately, but after a while, if it doesn't change, I mean, something has to change. Okay, our next and last question for this DOO download episode. Amy, do you have any advice on how this new director of operations can onboard herself into a business? Yes, with authority. I feel like that's my key word today. So coming in as a director of operations, you're onboarding yourself. You are the person who's coming in. You're in charge of onboarding yourself. The only person who is quote unquote above you, but not really would be your leader. And that's not their responsibility. That's where you are taking control. It's also the first chance you have to show them in this business what you are capable of doing and how you can make what has probably always been a rough process really simple. And so my recommendation on a tactical side is to make sure you have 30, 60, 90 day goals for what's going to happen in the business, which would come off of your strategic mapping. And then secondary to make sure that you are giving reports every single week on what is happening. Because a lot of the things that we do in this space aren't tactical. They aren't hours in implementation. You're not submitting social media posts. You're not building out something or doing tech side of things, but you are running all of those pieces of the business too. So you need to be able to show how the business is now running more seamlessly, why there are employees or contractors you're talking to more and some less, how things are shifting. And your leader wants to know that. And if they have to come and ask it, to you, I will go out on a limb and say, you're taking too long to talk to them. You should go to them first. Yep. I am on board with all of that. I think the way I would look at this from an onboarding perspective, Amy's hundred percent right. You got to do it yourself. When you're coming in as a leader inside of a business, they don't need an employee manual for you. You're probably the employee manual, <laughs> whether you know it or not. So surprise, we just told you though. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. First thing that I would want is to understand the vision of the company. So where does the leader want to go? Without that, you really, I don't think you can do anything with purpose and meaning. From there, mm-hmm. I would put together a strategy and then understand the team. So that probably means meeting with the team, understanding the way that they market. Not that you're going to be a marketer, but understanding how they generate sales for their business is important for me to understand and to comprehend. And these are all very large pieces here. But when you're onboarding into a business, you're going to need to be in a relationship where they are going to give you time 
face-to-face time because you're going to be pulling this information from somebody, whether it's the leader or if they have department leaders or something like that. Very few companies have like great resources. Now, I know each of you guys are amazing fact finders and we can do a lot of damage, good damage by checking out if they do have standard operating procedures as well as their website and being resourceful and talking to their team, maybe even some of their clients to understand what they do and how they do it today. But really at the top of this, it all starts with where the company wants to go because they have hired you to help them get there faster. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the first place. Vision, strategy, meeting the team, understanding the marketing. Yep. And then taking action on it. Yeah. Creating plans. I mean, after that, it's creating plans and figuring out who are the key players. And I mean, we can go down a funnel if you'd like to. I was just going to say, we can keep going deeper because I'm like, oh, there's so many quick wins to like, just so many things you can do here. Just so, I mean, I want to reiterate what Amy said, because it is something that I am extremely passionate. Actually, I'm annoying about it, but you can do all of these things. You can do what I just said, understanding the vision, creating a strategy, meeting the team and all of that, what you need to do in addition to that. And it cannot be missed, especially at a DOO level. You must report back to the leader and show what you have been doing because the leader is not an operator. They have never come into a business as an operator. Most likely they are visionaries, they are creators, they are creatives. They're very different than you. And so the value that you are bringing to the company may not be one that they are able to see with their own eyes because they're wired really different. So I hope that that is is helpful. There's a lot of pieces that can go into this, but I think we've shared kind of our stance in in getting started. So, all righty, Amy, anything else you want to add? No, I think, I mean, these were some great questions to be able to dive in on like multiple levels of where someone is in business. So hopefully this was helpful. Yeah, I always, when we're looking at these questions, it's kind of like they're all over the board and that's exactly what I want. I don't want to have it scripted and be all in one kind of bucket. So giving you a variety every single time we come here with the DO download episode, we are so excited that you have been here and spent some time with us today. If you would head on over to theopsinsiders.com. That's our private Facebook group. And we continue this conversation over there. And we want to give you the opportunity to ask any questions that you have, or even just continue the conversation that we had today on these three questions and answers that we shared. Alrighty, friends, we will see you at theopsinsiders.com and you will hear from us next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for investing just a little bit of time to listen to this episode of the Ops Authority Podcast. I am so grateful to be surrounded by real action takers like you who are invested in growing their business through operations. Will you add one more action to your to-do list today? Visit theopsauthoritypodcast.com where you can join our community of business owners and other ops experts. You're going to hear from me in a week, but in the meantime, do big things on the backside of your business.